Hi, this is Gary Rogowski. Welcome to Splinters. I got one recently. <laughs> They're just so focusing, aren't they? A good splinter just gets your attention right away. Today's chat is about inlay. We've got an online workshop coming up August 7th and 8th where we will be doing some basic inlay techniques, see how far we get, how complex we can manage. It's one of those things that a woodworker learns how to do that is transforming. So years ago, I went, uh, I was in a building with a lot of other woodworkers and I went across the hall to this other guy's shop and, and he had this cabinet and there were all these lines and stripes. It was really a, a really nice geometric pattern. And I said, well, geez, that, that inlay is great. How'd you do that? And he said, oh, I painted it. I went, huh, huh. So, from that point on, I decided that my inlay was going to have something more than just surface. It was going to usually have some sort of texture to it as well. And maybe that texture would rise and fall, and maybe it would be consistent. But the textural part of inlay became my goal. And so I had a job coming up fairly soon after that, I think, where I did a basic seed pod shape. Jeez, I did that two, four, six times on each table, library tables that I did. There was a lot of inlay work. Uh, but I left all that stuff, except on the tabletop, on the verticals, uh, inlay was left all raised up. And there's something about that that is a surprise to the viewer, toucher, um, but also uh, a gift. I think of it as a gift uh, that I could spend this time and make something that was not only visual but tactile. So that's how I, I've approached my inlay. Uh, it is a, an opportunity to uh, arrest the eye and perhaps the fingertips as well. I did an article some years ago about the architects Green and Green and the work done by their workers, the Hall brothers. In my mind, I came to the conclusion that the most important thing for green and green was texture. Because all their edges were rounded over, uh, all the joints were left proud and slightly carved and rounded and shaped. And it, it to me, gave me the sense that this piece of furniture had been weathered somehow. Already weathered, even in its newest state. So there was something about the roundness of things that uh, invited the touch, but also gave you a sense of, of that texture. And I think that was, that was their goal. For me, the same is true. I'm, I'm after that moment where I can direct someone's attention to a, a certain spot. I tell my students all the time in the mastery program that you're in control. You're the designer. Where do you want the people to put their hands? Where do you want them to look? This is in your control. And as the designer, one of the tricks in your bag is inlay. And it is a simple and incredibly effective technique. I will point you to Emile Jacques Ruhlman's work, uh, the uh, 20th century Art Deco designer in Paris, who would use ivory, of course. That's what you used in Paris in the 30s. Uh, uh, he, he was using ivory dots on the outline of a of a leg 
just to accentuate the curve, just very simple stuff that really makes a difference in how one looks at a piece. Now, it, it after a time, can be incredibly tedious, but the effect is really quite quite marvelous. Look up Emile Jacques Ruhlman for some inlay possibility. It's a desk that he did that's uh, pretty great. So why go to the trouble to to do this work? I think part of it is a certain desire on the builder's part to point out the fact that this is a handmade piece. There are, I'm sure, pieces of, of work that have painted on patterns uh, meant to mimic inlay. I know that my stool design I've seen in many forms. Uh, I f did my first one in 1978, but I see it now with joints that are pinned from the underside and the supposed end grain <laughs> of the through tenon is painted on. So there you go. I don't know how much different than is, this is than Stickley's work, where he would, instead of making a tenon all the way through, he would just put something on the outside of a, of a leg to mimic that same effect. But we handmade woodworkers are a um, particular sort of bunch, so that if we do this work, and again, I point out to my mastery students the importance of making your work stand out from a piece you could get at Pottery Barn or Ikea. You know, where things are designed, there is absolutely design involved when you buy a piece from, from one of those stores. The question is, is it, I don't want to say run-of-the-mill, but is it, you know, just a sort of a pedestrian design that you can get, oh, you can get here or you can get there, or you can get it in yellow and you can get it in light brown. So the inlay is an opportunity it's a flourish. Oh, I like that. It is. It's a flourish. It's a, it's that trill that um, a trumpet player will, will give when he, when he or she is uh, doing a run. And, and that makes it somehow different. It makes it somehow special. Inlay is much the same thing, I think, that you have an opportunity to show off a little bit and say, yeah, this piece was handmade. Years ago, I took a furniture design course at uh, Anderson Ranch Art Center in uh, Snowmass, Colorado. Me and Jamie Johnson from Portland, Maine, and Curtis Erpelning from Seattle, and uh, Ken Piku from Austin, Texas. We all won scholarships. We won Sam Maloof scholarships to come and take a class on contract design, contract furniture design. And Hai Zelkowitz was the instructor. And Hai was a contract furniture designer and friends of Peter Korn, the woodworking program director from Philadelphia. Fascinating class. Just a fascinating class. Now, contract furniture, in case you don't know, is the stuff that fills up offices or used to fill up offices. You know, the chairs, the ergonomic chairs. This is Henry Miller land. This is uh, steel case land where... The sofas that they choose, that an interior decorator will choose for the corporate office, or, that's contract furniture. And a contract furniture designer has opportunities to really stretch out. You know, they'll take a, a, a sofa and they might be able to add different shaped feet to it. Yay! The overall proportions can't change. Uh, the shape can't change. Different feet or a different fabric. I mean, very small things. But a couple of things I learned from, from, from Zelkowitz 
And, and one was craftspeople are, in their own way, show-offs. We like to say, nudge, nudge, just see what I did here? Nudge, nudge, without actually pointing it out, some of us do, that our efforts, we hope, will go noticed in the hope that our, our efforts will go noticed. And and that's why we, we leave tool marks behind and we do shaping and inlay and this sort of sort of thing. It's to point out the hand of the maker versus this, you know, stuff you can get at IKEA or pottery bar. So that that was one thing. The other thing I I learned from Zelkowitz, myself and the other twelve folks in that class was that it's just as hard to break into the world of furniture design as it is to be a furniture maker. Um, constant marketing, constant uh, working on your brand and your sense of identity as a designer and how to show that to a, a potential customer or client. Uh, and the same thing is true for our furniture making. It is part of part of the deal that in order to sell this work, you are selling yourself as a as a human, as a designer, and as a craftsperson. That you you can take all of these different skills, and there are, those are different skills, and c- can combine them into one person who can do all of these things. And I can sit down with a client and show them designs and sketch designs for them uh, with them sitting there. And we can talk about things and we can work on ideas. But that last stepping point, that last rock to reach, to head on up the trail is what are the details? So I'm convinced that there are uh, many parts to a design. You are well served, so well served to front end load your design process. Work on all those things. You know, the shape of the, of the feet, the size of the legs, the, not just the overall proportions of the piece, but the overall proportions of each individual member that makes up that piece. So I'm looking at this green and green style table that I did, and it's got some big chunky legs. And, and if we cut it down in size, those legs now become too thick. I'll tell you a story. I'm doing a, job for a church. Um, the architect designing the, the church uh, got in touch with me. And I said, okay, well, I'm not going to give this stuff away. I'm going to charge for my designs. And, and it was you know a certain amount per design. But I put some effort into it. And one of the designs was an altar. And it fit into this giant round arena, basically. It was like an arena, pretty large, um, 20,000, 30,000 square feet. And I designed, I was sitting there designing something uh, in the studio one day, and I designed these legs that were eight inches square. I was at my bench trying to design something. I looked up at the post holding up the uh, trusses, and I went, oh, yeah, eight by eight. Must do that. One of the reasons for that is that uh, some of the posts that were holding up certain sections of the building were trees cut from their property, from the church property. So... I thought that having something massive made sense. So I made up cardboard mock-ups of these legs. Full-scale, full-scale mock-ups. And I stared at them and looked at the, the model of this altar I designed. And after a week or so, I was convinced that these legs were way too oversized. They were elephantine 
Is that the right way to pronounce that? Anyway, they were as big as elephant legs. I couldn't do it. I said, no, this is not going to work. I'm going to make up some six by six legs. Six by six is big anyway. I mean, that's a big chunk of wood, but uh, not eight by eight. Will never work. Anyway, I drove out to the job site. Basically, I could drive into the church at this point. It was, you know, they had the walls up and this dome ceiling. I got everything out. I put the six by six together, the six by six leg model together in the space and went, nope, <laughs> doesn't work at all. It just disappears. So that eight by eight was right. The scale was right for the size of the room. It's a huge, one big, giant room. And so you have to consider those things, not just the proportion of the piece, but the proportions of the things going into the piece. Just as true of your inlay as it is of uh, proportions of parts. So the overall proportions of the piece have to be right. The proportions of the members of the piece have to be right. And then you start to think about once the piece is mostly designed, what are the flourishes? What are the touches? What are the things that are going to separate this piece from another? What are the things that are, that are going to make it memorable, that are going to make it pleasing to the eye and then to the touch? And that's where I think the magic of inlay comes in on pieces that, um, yeah, just, it's a surprise. So uh, for the church job, I did another, I did a tabernacle with a frame and panel door and the shape of the cross done in individual squares that were left raised and textured, just slightly rounded over. Just small things like that, I think, really elevate a piece. And so coming up will be our Inlay Secrets workshop. This will be our first hands-on online workshop. We've been doing online lectures that have been um, well-attended and well-received and feel pretty good from my end. So I'm hoping that we can continue to transition to this online model during these times. And I hope you'll join us. So check out our website, northwestwoodworking.com. Go to our summer 20... 20 page and check out the online classes. I'm also going to introduce an online mastery program for this season, for this fall, that will all be done online. There's a savings in tuition, there is no travel, so certainly for people who are cross-country, um, our lectures will take the place of uh, the three visits that occurred throughout the year. It's an experiment. We're going to see how it works. But uh, as we get better with our, on our end with the technology, I think um, it will translate to a, a good learning experience for, for the students. So check out that on our website as well, the online mastery program. Enough. Thanks so much for listening. This has been Gary Rogowski for Splinters in the Northwest Woodworking Studio. I just got to say, inlay is a great deal of fun. <laughs> and it's all about just little things that you can do to make it look like you're doing perfect work. Tricks, tips, cheating, all will be revealed. Oh, it's going to be fun. Join us. Thank you. Bye-bye.